Welcome to Start Disrupting, a podcast hosted by the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. I'm your host, Brett Malone, and um, this podcast is really dedicated to the innovators, the creative thinkers, the engineers, scientists, and disruptors that really create such a unique ecosystem here in, in the New River Valley. Uh, some of the coolest entrepreneurs uh, and artists call New River Valley home. Our culture here in the CRC and the surrounding region is a unique blend of, of technology, art, outdoors. It's, it's really what makes this place great. And this personality cross-section is what I love most about being here. Uh, my guest today is a perfect example of this spirit. Uh, George Probst is a wildlife photographer, shark advocate. Uh, George began photographing sharks in 06 and creates some of the most beautiful and recognizable images in the internet. Uh, you can always tell in, on any of the social media platforms, you can always tell when you're seeing some of George's work. They're just uh, like an Ansel Adams. They're, you can spot his work immediately. Uh, George's mission is to create awareness about the importance of sharks, uh, portray them in a responsible manner. But, you know, most importantly, George is one of our uh, celebrated uh, entrepreneurs in our ecosystem. He he's, does something he loves and he does something he's passionate about. And that, um, that passion and curiosity and creativity really comes together in his work. Um, so George did a master's degree at Virginia Tech in uh, industrial and systems engineering. Uh, works for New River Computing here in Blacksburg. And uh, most notably, George is an accomplished runner. He and I have shared the trail on many a mile and uh, usually he's way ahead of me in those miles. So he's, he's a fast runner. He's one, he's one of the people that get the most out of Blacksburg in the New River Valley. So George, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. Great to be here. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's really good to see you again. And uh, uh, it's really nice just to be on this with you. And it, it's fun to see what you've done. I've, I've really followed your work for a long time, obviously known you for many years. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun to see how your your photography has evolved. So tell us right at the beginning here, tell us a little bit about Shark Picks and your, and your mission. Okay, so Shark Picks is, is basically a, just a vehicle for me for, for outreach and education through photography uh, with the goal of, of reaching audiences who might not ever get to see sharks in, in, in the wild or might only be exposed to just negative stereotypes that we see often in the media. So as you mentioned in the intro, my goal is to kind of dispel some of those negative myths and to kind of teach people about the real sharks, not what you see in movies like Jaws and Deep Blue Sea and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, being able to have those those photos and that imagery, I think, helps to to spread that message a little bit better than if you're just up there trying to just use your words to, to convey those messages to, to people. Yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of the things that's really striking about your photography. Your images capture more a sense of peacefulness among these animals as opposed to aggressiveness. And, um, and your, your pictures don't evoke fear. They, they sort of evoke just this beauty. And what I love about your work is you integrate the light, the color, the, the sea. And, and most of the pictures, most of the work that I see you kind of have them isolated in this just field of blue and light. It's, it's really a fantastic look. Yeah, my, my goal with the photography when I first 
on my first trip out there was just to kind of capture memories so I could go show other people, hey, I did this. And after that first trip, I just started viewing the sharks a lot differently. And I noticed that most photography you see, particularly of great white sharks, is these open jaw shots where the teeth are bared and, you know, they look pretty ferocious and, and they do have a mouthful of razors. They're a wild predatory animal. So that, that is an aspect of them. But when you're only exposed to pictures of the sharks with their jaws open, trying to bite something, and, and that's the only thing people are typically seeing, they're going to get in this mindset that sharks are just swimming around, just biting things all the time. And a, a white shark can actually go weeks without eating. So I started to think, man, maybe we're not really uh, helping the sharks out with this type of photography. And again, you, you miss out on kind of the elegance and the beauty that I experience when I'm in, in the water. You mentioned like the peacefulness and people often ask, oh, you know, is this, is this really scary when you're doing this? And it's, it's not, it's one of the most relaxing times when I'm underwater and there's sharks around, it's, it's usually very peaceful and relaxing. If we get a lot of sharks around, there's, there's an excitement level and it's not fear, but you're, you know, you're just excited that there's that many sharks around, but for the most part, it, it is a, it's a peaceful, relaxing thing. And just kind of watching them glide through the water with very little effort. There's a, there's a grace and elegance to that, that I, I try to capture that in my photography. Um, I started diving in 2006 and it wasn't until 2010 that I had really captured an image where I thought, this is kind of the essence of what it's like to be in the water with a with a great white shark, kind of an all encompassing thing. And it was not one of those, you know, open jaw shots. So That's cool. That's cool to hear the story of how you, you've sort of refined your craft and, you know, you've continually improved the the, the art, essentially, in, in the photography. It's really interesting. And it is sort of a unique business. It, it's definitely a, a a great mission. How'd you get into this? Cause uh, you know, knowing your background uh, you know, you're not one that grew up in Hawaii or Florida scuba diving as a little kid. So tell us how you got into this. It was somewhat by accident. I had uh, a little bit of money set aside for something that uh, ended up not going to that. So I decided to use that uh, to take a bucket list trip. And I had always wanted to see a great white shark. That was on my list of things I wanted to do was to see a great white shark before I died. So I put the money into that and I was not scuba certified at the time. So I went out on a, a cage diving trip where you're in surface cages, which means the top of the cage is literally floating on the surface. So those are only about 10 feet deep and you're on a hookah line. And on that trip, they have submersibles where you can lower a cage down and get out and, and you know you have to be scuba certified for that and I remember being in that cage seeing those people going man I want to do that and just being on that trip that first time in the water um, seeing the sharks and just taking that all in was I, I, I felt like I was at home uh, for lack of a, a better description but I, I felt like I belonged there and it was very peaceful and relaxing and I'd noticed right away, being a kid that grew up watching Jaws, you know, I've seen Jaws like a hundred times. 
like everything I saw in Jaws was just complete nonsense. And these these sharks are pretty peaceful. There's a there's a monologue in Jaws where Quint talks about a shark's eyes, and he says, you know, the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. And that always stuck with me. Like these were just mindless eating machines. Yeah. And the first time a great white shark swam by me up close, they actually have a blue uh, ring around their eye where their iris is and you can see what direction they're looking at and they'll make eye contact with you so when they swim by you can see their eye rotating to maintain eye contact and you know when i saw that it was like well that's not a mindless machine that there's the wheels are turning behind (laughs) that eye because it's keeping an eye on me and knows that i'm watching it so um that is amazing yeah and somebody needs to uh either send some of your work to steven spielberg or peter benchley and uh it really is. It's one of those things that we live with these predators and the resp- having the respect for them. Hey, what in your mind makes a great picture, uh, a great piece of art of a shark? And, and, you know, when you think about painting with light, if you will, uh, it's really fantastic to see your, the way you compose. What in your mind makes a really well composed uh, a picture of a well, shark. You know, it's it's subjective. So you asked in my mind. So I'll, I'll give you my opinion. You know, there's yeah. there's definitely some some time, effort, and skill involved in that. But there's especially when you're dealing with with wildlife and being underwater, which is another complicating factor. There's a lot of luck involved too, because you're you know you're dependent yeah. on whether you've got good light, whether the water clarity is good, and then you know for with a wild animal, they got to come into in the view where you're going to be able to compose a good shot of them. So um, when I'm at Guadalupe, I, I'm shooting for two different reasons these days. I'm a contributor to the Guadalupe Photo Identification Project, which is where we catalog individual white sharks. So uh, for a great shark photo for that, that would be making sure you get a, a good profile shot of the left or right side because the counter shading pattern where the gray skin meets the white, that's how we identify a shark. That's as unique as a fingerprint to a shark. Um, oh, so if I'm doing something like that, obviously I need the shark to come in a certain angle, be able to get that. But um, from an artistic side and, and kind of my favorite types of shots are the ones that really capture the personality of of a white sharks individual characteristics and people might hear that and think that's crazy they're you know they all look the same to me it's just a set of fins and a mouthful of teeth but um we do see some of the same sharks year after year at guadalupe And, and as i said we've cataloged these individuals they've got a name there's 365 different sharks in the Guadalupe database now and I can identify about 50 of them just on site right away because I've spent enough time with them and and personality wise even behavior wise like some of the sharks you can recognize them when they're swimming in before you can even see like that counter shading pattern or those specific details and Mm -hmm. so when I'm trying to get a portrait of a shark I have a thought in my mind of these are the characteristics of that shark. I want to, I want to capture that. So some of the sharks that you'll see in my photos, it's the same individual. There's probably about 
five or six individuals that show up in a lot of my photos because those are the more curious sharks and they're interested in the camera. They're not afraid of divers. And, and those are the ones that you can kind of get the more unique shots of and the close-up shots. Right. And those are the ones I feel like help me convey that message of these, these aren't mindless killing machines because you do kind of get, um, a sense of character with those sharks well so some of the, some of them that i've seen there are it's amazing the scars that they have you know on their head and their sides and you know it, it sort of tells a story of some of the man-made dangers that they get involved in what kind of pressure are sharks under and what's the conservation angle that that your work is following so with white sharks in particular especially the ones we see out at Guadalupe, most of the, the threats to them, man-made threats are uh, ghost gear, which is fishing gear and, and other stuff from boats that's just discarded in the ocean. And uh, white sharks are always moving forward, so they have no reverse. So a lot of times they'll just, they happen to swim through something. One of the things we see most common is, is be either like a loop of netting or I've seen, sharks with plastic bands around them and what they what happens is they'll swim through a loop of something like that and then their primary dorsal fin and their pectoral fins will stop that loop of rope so it's just kind of wrapped around them not necessarily tight at the time because they've been able to swim through it but sharks grow their entire lives so what happens is that thing stays there perpetually they grow into it and it'll start cutting into their skin so um, we've seen at least four sharks of Guadalupe that have grown into loops like that and have had that cut in. They've been able to, to get those ropes off of all four of them, but one of them was embedded so deeply in the gills. And that's the other issue. It starts cutting into their gills, so that's a potentially fatal entanglement issue. Right. Um, there was one that they the rope had gotten so deep into her gills on the right side that they had to cut at the bottom of her and at the top and the one side of the rope they were able to get off but the other part was still embedded so she's got a piece of rope like growing out of her skin because that the rest of that loop is still embedded in the shark that's amazing yeah it's uh it's one of those things you don't think about but your pictures really start to show the impact that that you know, some of our industrialization, some of the overfishing can, can create. Hey, George, yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit and think about, you know, the impact ecosystem, what you did in terms of starting the business, sort of the bold move of chasing a, a passion is, is something that's uh, common in our area, in our ecosystem. Uh, you've been in the New River Valley for, for a while now. What, what keeps you here, given the fact that, you know, you could do this anywhere and you know, Blacksburg is not the most convenient location to, to dive and photograph sharks. What keeps you here and, and what do you like about this region? Um, people ask me that a lot and, and my answer is usually I haven't found a better place to be. Um, I came to Blacksburg to go to school and to run. I ran uh, track and field and cross country at Virginia Tech and it's an awesome place to run. I think any any runner could tell you that. That's a Cost of living here is is relatively low. Um, when it comes to underwater photography, 
if you're going to be going to see different types of sharks, you're, you're going to be traveling regardless of whether you live on the water or not. Uh, going out to Guadalupe, Guadalupe is a volcanic island off the coast of Baja. That's a, it's a 21 hour boat ride out to that island. So uh, people are always like, why don't you move to the coast? And I'm like, getting to the coast is not the issue when it comes to going to see these sharks because I fly to San Diego in you know, five, six hours and then have to take a 21 hour boat ride. So, right, right. Um, but, but again, cost of living's great here. I, I just like geographically the area. We've got all four seasons. It's a great place to run. It's a, a smaller community, which I think there's a benefit to that too. You, you know, not, it's not small enough that everybody knows everybody's name, but um, you don't get lost in the shuffle either, I feel like. Well, yeah, it definitely has a nice mix, a balance of sort of interested and curious people too. And so, you know, this intellectual curiosity is something that we cultivate and when we think about working on. We've got a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, very young entrepreneurs who are coming out of school, looking to take some big steps. What, what kind of advice would you have? I mean, you followed a passion. You took a bold step, you know, got in, a, got in a cage, went underwater with sharks, not knowing anything about it really. But, you know, and, and now here you are with, with a successful profession and probably one of the world's best photographers of, of these animals. What, what kind of, and it didn't happen overnight, obviously. I mean, as, as we talked about, you've cultivated your craft, uh, you perfected it, you didn't give up a lot of tenacity in what you did. You could have taken one trip and then gave up on it. So there, there's something there about the grit, the tenacity that you have to perfect your craft. So as I think about those, those attributes, uh, what do you, how, how do you think about some of the young entrepreneurs coming up in this region and what kind of lessons would you have for them? Probably the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, you mentioned passion. I think that especially when we're younger, the, the thought is financially driven. We're, we're all about, you know, I got to make money. And, and understandably, you do have to make money to survive and, and to get by. But um, I mean, I can remember growing up and going through high school, all my counselors were like, oh, you need to do engineering. You need to do engineering. And, and I was oftentimes of an artistic mind. And, and it was always that, nah, you, you know, don't do that. You can't make many, any money on that. And uh, which is not true if, if, you, if, if you know how to use your tools correctly. Right. But, um, you know, I worked an engineering job for seven years and was just not really happy with that and I was working that job when I first went on this dive and it was like man this is I love doing this and, and granted being under underwater photography sw swimming with sharks is not a highly financially rewarding job <laughs> but the intrinsic rewards are off yeah. the chart um, and I just feel like yeah, we need money, but if, if you find something that you're passionate about and you can work that into your life where you can do something with it that's worthwhile, um, I, I feel like that's going to be far more rewarding than a, than a high paycheck. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest things 
that's come from from this is being able to go talk to school children and go to schools where I mean I've been to schools where kids there have never seen an ocean before and to teach them right. about sharks and to just see see those kids light up and and some of the questions they ask and just the enthusiasm because they haven't been exposed to something like this before and it's something that they're interested in. I learn from the children because they sometimes come up with questions that I would have never thought of. A good <laughs> example of this was a, a kid asked me, can sharks get sunburned? And I was like, yeah, I never thought about that. But a, a guy I know had actually done some research on um, whether or not sharks can get sunburned and suntan, and they can. And so that was something that I learned. And, you know, I, I love learning stuff about sharks and one of the great things about white sharks in particular is that there's still so much we don't know and right. to be able to not only educate people about sharks but also continue to learn about them too uh, right. again when i talk about those intrinsic rewards that that to me is way more valuable than a than a paycheck well and, and what you're doing is so much more rewarding because you're blending multiple curiosities you know Stephen Kotler talks a lot about flow and being able to intersect all these passions and you know the artistic side with the educational side with you know the idea of understanding these these creatures your subjects um, it, it really starts to intersect lots of passion areas and curiosities it's what makes it stick if you will and um, and that that's what I think is part of a great story. It's part of something that makes things sort of successful. We, we, uh, we really celebrate people who come up with something creative like this. And we, we wish you the best with shark picks. We're going to stay monitoring the, the output. We're, we're anxious to see the next trip. How is, what's your next adventure and how has COVID impacted things? And uh, what, what's your plan moving forward with continuing to connect with these animals and bring that story back to everyone here? So everything's still kind of up in the air with COVID. Um, I'm definitely ready to get back in the water. I wasn't able to, to dive at all last year. Um, it, as soon as it's safe and I'm not putting other people at risk, um, I'm going to do what I can to get back in the water. I've got stuff scheduled at Guadalupe starting in August. So the, the sharks, the white sharks of Guadalupe are only at the island from August through November. Um, then they migrate out to an area in between Guadalupe and, and Hawaii called the shared offshore, offshore foraging area where nobody sees them because it's basically like a, the, the desert of the ocean out there. But when they're at Guadalupe and they're, we know where they're at, we can see them. So that's, that's August to November. If if COVID's going to allow it, I'll be out there in August. But um, if I can get in the water before then, I obviously will. As I said, it's going to depend on whether or not I'm putting other people at risk by doing that. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Um, as much as I love being in the water with sharks, you know, there are priorities and, and things that are more important. Well, I appreciate that, and yeah, certainly everyone's looking forward to getting back to their passion and it'll take a different uh, it, it'll be different going forward anyway, you know, there'll yeah, be definitely. a different, there'll be a different appreciation for getting there and, you know, in a way getting back to travel, you know, will 
we'll start to appreciate a little bit more about some of these destinations and, you know, how a lot of this has been taken away from us, you know, and, and I can relate personally because I had done a lot of traveling and consulting work and have been in a lot of different cities and, you know, to have that sort of immediately taken away, it's, it's a shock. It's a shock to a lot of people. It, it forces you to rethink, um, you know, plan and, and it gives you an opportunity to think differently about, what you're creating, whether you're a writer, a photographer, creating music, it definitely impacts the shape of the creative output as well. I mean, I, it, we may find that your, your pictures post COVID of sharks may look different for some reason. Yeah. It's um, you know, one thing I have noticed is it, it's a good reminder of the things that we've taken for granted sometimes. Right. Um, Absolutely. Things you just you don't even think about. And then when they're taken away, it's like, man, I, I had a good thing there. And I, I need to appreciate that a little bit more. Absolutely. George, it's been uh, great talking with you today. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Good luck with Shark Picks. Uh, and um, uh, we're really glad that you could join us this morning. And, I appreciate uh, the opportunity.